This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 21 at the Equine Clicker 101 podcast on Horse Radio Network. Biting and nipping, how to fix it. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make our show possible. They are Jeffers, Pet, and Cavalier Feed. This is Donna Karish, and today's episode, what we're going to work on is a common problem or what I hear about from a lot of people. It is biting and nipping. So I kind of feel like they're, they can be kind of different things, but they're the same origin and the same solution. So we're going to work on how do we help our horses to make better choices when they're around us. Now, one of the things that people ask us all the time is, where do I find clickers or side buckets or targets? You can go to my website, which is www.on-target-training.com, and you can find, go to my products page, and you can find all sorts of things there. So that's where you can go for that. But for all your other horsey needs and even pet needs, I recommend you go to Jeffers Pet. Jeffers has equine products for the horse, for the barn, for the rider, but they also have things for your dogs and your cats and even your cows. So that, why don't we learn a little bit more about Jeffers Pet? Jeffers Equine provides quality horse supplies at affordable prices. Located in Dothan, Alabama, Jeffers combines the best of both worlds. As a family-owned tack and supply company, you get the kind of customer service only a small business can offer. Yet, with Jeffers' combined buying power of pet livestock and equine e-commerce sites, you get a wide variety of products at reasonable prices. So when you need tack or supplies for your horse life, from draft to mini or casual trail to competitive sport, www.jeffersequine.com has you covered. Welcome to the classroom. All right, so let us talk a little bit about biting and nipping and its origin. I'm sure, though, this is something that I've heard a ton. And as you've begun into your uh, world of clicker training and positive reinforcement and utilizing food as a reinforcer, I'm sure you've heard, but doesn't it make them nippy? You can't feed, you can't hand feed horses, you'll make them bite. It's a, it's a longstanding issue or, or a longstanding myth, really, is what I think, because it's not... It's not the food that makes them nippy. It is when we deliver the food, what behavior are they doing at the time? So it's common. You, you, picture this. I mean, you can see it. A horse is over a fence or in a stall, and here comes people with carrots. Well, what does a horse do? They reach with their head to try to get the carrots. They start reaching out towards, tr towards the food, and we oftentimes feed that. Now, usually that is kind of a precursor to biting and nipping is reaching to get the food and reaching for the people. So instead, what you want to do is feed something else. So a lot of times what I'll do if I'm going to feed my horses at a paddock or, you know, so if they're at the fence or they're at their stall, I actually reach my hand under into the fence like under the, so that they have to reach back into their stall to go ahead and get that food. Or I will reach into the stall so that they are going, they're pulling their head back in to eat the food. So really what they're making is a correlation between what activity am I doing when I got fed and when do I get fed? Now it's easier to fix this as we're doing the positive reinforcement training in a standardized way because we, the, one of the very first lessons, episode one, lesson one, what do we do? We teach them about how to behave with us at the cross ties or not cross ties, but how to behave with us as we are going through the training. They immediately learn to have good manners around food. So it's something that we deal with right off the, right out of the chute. So this is, we can get that part sorted out there. I think I find it more in the free time is where we have to also be cognizant of what we're feeding because every single time we feed our horses, we're reinforcing something. So if you think about that for a minute, whatever they're doing at the time when we feed them, we've just said, 
This behavior right here has earned you food. And keep in mind, this is how horses learn. This is how they, they learn to work in their world. This happens whether we're there or not. They start figuring out, how do I get food in my world? What do I do that gets me food or water or sleep or whatever the things are that they need in life that they're looking for? So we just need to be more cognizant in the free time what we're doing, but in the but as well as as well as cognizant in our times that we're working together. So we want it all the time that they, instead of thinking push to on us or reach to us or grab for the food or grab for our hands or grab to get attention, that we instead, we give them that attention. We give them that food when they're doing the thing we want to do. So if you need to go back to the, the episode podcast one, we talk about how do we teach the bridge signal, how do we, which is the clicker, and then how do we teach manners. So go back to the very basic one if you need a little review on how we get there for teaching them to keep their heads to themselves. But a lot of times what happens is we practice that early skill. And the horse gets good at that and we get it sorted out and things are going nicely. But then we kind of forget and we start making it more about different activities and doing things or we get distracted. And then the horse wants our attention and they're not feeling our attention because we're distracted. So they can get nippy or bitey if they think that it's going to work to get them attention. So really going back really all the time, I will go back within every session. I'd say I stop and do one moment where we are standing for a few moments with our heads to ourselves, just calm and relaxed. So it helps to remind and keep that solid. Now, sometimes as we go along, the horse never really stops going back to the nippiness or mouthiness or, or bitey in between. You know what it simply means? It means that that behavior still is more reinforced than the standing, keeping their head to themselves. Because if any behavior increases or then maintains in frequency, something is reinforcing it. So in a situation of the biting and nipping, basically it is saying that this, this standing with my head to myself isn't as reinforcing as this nipping or trying to get your attention. So we just means we need to rebound those scales a little bit. Just means you need to put time in on the other side of that and teaching them to keep their head to themselves in all situations. So maybe once they feel like they have your attention, they keep their head to themselves, but then they, you need to be able to split your focus and have them wait. And I think that this is, and I think with standing and stay, we may have done a little bit of that too, which was lesson five. But if it, if the, uh, if it's still happening, it just means it's not the reinforcement history isn't strong enough that this is their new choice. And then we need to work up with the distractions. So when I first started teaching clinics and it's not always biting or nipping, they do. But the first clinic I taught, I had mint and well, I had a number of horses, but mint was the one who it really reminded me with. And as I started talking to the people in the audience and we're both the two of us are in the arena together, he starts backing up and hopping and bowing and shaking his head yet and running through all his behaviors. And I thought, oh gosh, what is happening? Well, I know what was happening after, you know, a minute or so he thought, well, I'm not getting the attention I want. And I can tell she's talking to somebody else. So I'm going to try offering things that have worked for me. So we offered behaviors. And so what I needed to do after that, I made a mental note right then and there and thought when I go home, I need to work on him standing quietly while I talk to nobody. But I need to feel, he needs to feel like my attention gets focused elsewhere. And then I reinforce him for still being there and still being good. So I had to go back to little increments and then build until I could stand and talk for a long time. And he just stood with me patiently. He knew that this behavior that I was paying attention to him and he would still get reinforced. Well, the nipping and the biting isn't any different, really. It is still a way of trying to get attention for a lot of horses. So that is something that we need to build up to. So revisit lesson one and then check into lesson five. And those may help you for some of the basic foundation things. But I also want to talk a little bit about there is biting and nipping that has nothing to do with food and it never has. So you think about it, a lot of times... Uh, 
let's think of a young cult, for example. So we have a young cult and he starts to kind of become a little bit and he's everything in a young cult is they have a lot of play drive because their body and their hormones are preparing them to be a stallion that's going eat. They don't know they're getting gelded, but their, their bodies are preparing them to be a stallion that is going to need to fight for its place in the herd. It's going to have to fight for the women. It's going to, it needs to be good and adept at, at being, you know, kind of aggressive, you know, or assertive, I guess we'll say with the behaviors to, to get what they want. Well, that starts as play drive. This is where they learn how to practice that and get good at those skills. So we have a little cult. He starts to kind of show he's get, becoming of age. So we decide he can't really socialize anymore with the others because he's mounting his mom or, you know, whatever's going on. So he starts to be isolated. And now he doesn't have the social time that all horses should really, they thrive with. So he doesn't have that social time because he is feeling his hormones. And until he gets gelded, you know, that might be his situation. Or maybe he's not. The plan isn't to geld him. But the play drive is still really hard. So he comes into the barn and we come in to do, you know, weekly things with him to get him, you know, prepared for later when it's actually time for riding. And he's a little devoid of social interactions. Well, what do they start doing? A lot of times what they start doing is they start nipping. And then what do we do? A lot of times what people will, their inclination is to swing back. Well, you think about it for a little stud cult, they're used to getting bitten and kicked as they play. And that is part of it. So all of a sudden, the human has now engaged in play behavior. Now they're sparring. They're doing exactly what they wanted and we are engaging with them in that. Even though our intention might be to correct it or stop it, the result oftentimes, and I see this over and over and over again, is a horse who finds it to be kind of fun to spar and to get our attention by nipping, even though sometimes they get you know, it could stop them for a bit, but you'll see them coming back at it. So remember, if any behavior increases or maintains in frequency, something is reinforcing it. And oftentimes in the case of the biting, it is not actually, it, it, the, the attention, even what we think is a correction, can actually serve to reinforce them. So remember, don't think about what we think is reinforcing or not reinforcing. Look at the behavior. If the behavior is still occurring or increasing in frequency or just maintaining a frequency, something is reinforcing it. That means that behavior serves them in some way, shape, or form. So the best thing you can possibly do with uncooperative behavior or undesired behavior, we'll say, is to ignore it. Now, we also have safety as an issue here. So no matter what, you must safety overrides everything. We must be safe first and foremost. But ideally, what I'm going to do, if I feel like my horse is really in a nippy phase, I'm going to start to work them in protected contact or they're on one side of the fence and I'm on the other. So I'm not going, I'm not subject to being bitten by then, but I can work them about keeping their head away, build up the time until we can be back together. You still have to get to a point where you are on the same side of the fence. But for now, if I can do something to help set them up for success and help to keep myself safe and not feel like I have to react and unintentionally reinforce that behavior, I think that is really strong and really an important thing to work on with our horses. So I hope this is making sense to everybody. So oftentimes what we do, and there we have horses that come with this issue, you see it all the time where it isn't about necessarily, like I said, it's not having to do with the food. A lot of times it can be to do with our attention, whether it's sparring or sometimes it is just all of a sudden we react and we look at them and boom, they've got our attention. So keeping in mind that the origin of biting and nipping, whether it's simply attention or they do want to get food or they want to do a session. It doesn't really matter the root of it. If they're seeing it increase in frequency, maintaining in frequency, something is reinforcing it. We're going to use something called a differential reinforcement of an incompatible behavior. 
and that's called the DRI. A lot of times that's a behavioral term. That's how you'll find it in textbooks. But what we really want to do is be find a behavior where they can't do both. So the incompatible part of the behavior, if you stand over there with your head slightly away, you can't do that and bite me and nip at me and grab at my clothes. So if I make that behavior more reinforcing than this behavior of biting and nipping, this is the behavior they'll choose to engage in. So it is like, think of scales, those scales that are way out of balance. So like, and as you put weight on one side of the scale, you start to rebalance. Now you get to that point where they're kind of about neutral. And in fact, the keeping their head to themselves will start to outweigh the biting and nipping. A lot of times people give up then they, they give up or they think we're good. But remember, you still need to go a little bit extra just because they're making that choice sometimes doesn't mean they'll make it in all situations. So whenever you feel like your horse is mouthy, nippy, all it means you need to do is go back and really think about rebalancing those scales and getting more weight on the side of the scales. It helps them to make a new choice because remember, everything they do is a choice and they're going to choose the thing that serves them best. They choose a thing with the strongest reinforcement history. So we just need to rebalance those scales and get those sorted back out. Okay, so now the stuff I've been working and talking about is not an aggressive horse. This is a horse who's, now, can it be dangerous? Absolutely, because it's biting and nipping and its source is a different than a truly aggressive horse. And I'm going to touch on that. Um, if you have a truly aggressive horse that, Unless you're professional, it's not the smartest thing to go in and work with them, but perhaps it's your horse. So I, 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 I say all this part with caution, but if I have a horse who is truly, I mean, I have worked with horses who want to kill humans. They do not like them. They, there is no question. They don't want the human in their stall or in their paddock or whatever it is. Well, I still work with those horses and, and, but I start a little more cautiously. Their origin, while the other horse is typically trying to get food, they're trying to get attention, they're trying to play the game, it is it is much easier to redirect and more consistent than it is to redirect a horse who is truly aggressive. So if I have a horse who's truly aggressive and wants to kill them, their ears are gone, their eyes are hard, they are everything about it says, no, I'm serious, I will take flesh off of your body. And then I, and I will deal with that differently. So in those situations, I will deal with them being clearly on the other side of a fence and me at the furthest I can be. And a lot of times I will start with a target with them. Even though I'd like to start with just the clicker first, I may give them a place to go to touch the target as we begin that process. So that is a different thing. That is to be dealt with a little differently, a little more judiciously, definitely protected contact. But what we're really addressing in this situation is the kind of well, recreational <laughs> biter nipper and, and how to redirect that to, to get them sorted out. Anyway, so I hope that helps you one to understand a little bit more where it comes from. People can take, it can be frightening for people and people can oftentimes take offense or even take it personally. When the horse isn't doing this to, to get your goat or to be mad outside of just wanting your attention and wanting to play and wanting to socialize. And I guess the little tale at the end of this, the, the moral to the story is really, if you can, it's important that we get our horses social time if there's any way that we can. I know we all have horses in all different situations and different environments and not Every horse is good with every other horse, but trying to find a way where your horse has social time and can be social with other horses is a really important part of their life. So if we can create that and find a good match, even if you get like a miniature or even a goat or something that they can be social with, it is something to consider. So as much as we want to give them social time together, sometimes it's a and that, that gives them a place that they can put that energy if it is kind of a, a lack of social time. But that takes its own discretion, too. And maybe we'll do a podcast on that at another time about how to how to integrate horses together for the first time. But anyway, so I hope that helps you to think about where it comes from and what it's about. But then and not taking it personally and not not getting worried, which you think about it. You know, when you're in a car like you're driving. 
and then somebody pulls out in front of you. And what happens? We tend to get mad. And so we start to think, what a what why? That's what a jerk, you know, and we and we get mad. But if you really break it down, we're not really mad. We got scared. And so in that fear, we took it to a kind of a place for us to cope with it. And that's oftentimes what happens with our horses. They're big, they're large. They can be, you know, they can be 1900 pounds of large. And so when something happens, a lot of times it can scare us. And a lot of times what we'll go to is like when we're driving, we can kind of react with a lot of corrections and things. And it is really just fear. So if we can kind of break this down a little bit and do it in an understanding where it comes from and having a little bit of, compassion for that, maybe that origin of that behavior, then hopefully we can make better choices and we can help to get them on the right track. I always like to remind people, horses didn't ask to be here. We chose this for them. So it's up to us to help them learn the right things to do in the kindest and most with the most clarity. And so that's what I think is really important about this. And so we're going to, in a few minutes, go work. I'm going to work with uh, a little pony we have here who's a little bit of a mouthy guy and we will we will work through that a little bit he's a little teeny tiny pony so he he has a long history of nipping and and mouthiness so we're going to work through it with him all right so what i want you to do is go ahead and get ready to turn off your podcast i want you to go to the barn and get your horse, whichever one you may want to work with. Even if um, you don't have nippiness per se, it is maybe a good time even just to work on lesson one and lesson five, which is the, the bridge signal and the bridge conditioning and then standing and staying. So it's time, something that we could work together and maybe build the duration between the time when we're just standing there. So maybe even if it's not biting and nipping and mouthing, it might be that your horse like Minty does a thousand behaviors. Or maybe Maybe you know that your horse tends to be more nippy and mouthy and bitey in the cross ties. Maybe it's more in its stall. Maybe it's more, you know, here, there, the other thing. But we can go ahead and work with the horses and get them them going. So get your horse to the place where you think they're more apt to do this or more need more focus on standing quietly with their heads of themselves. And we will go ahead and get started. So get your stuff together. Get your horse in the right place. Get your you know, your side bucket and your food and all your, all your pieces that you need. And we'll meet back here in just a few minutes. Okie dokie. So I'm here with a pony named Trigger and Trigger, like I said, is a little teeny tiny pony and he is He's had, he's in his early 20s, so he has had a life of children and probably not a life of positive reinforcement. It's very clear. He's very, he dumps the children. He, you know, he has his own little challenges, but one of the things he can be is very bitey, nippy, and mouthy. So I chose Trigger to work with because we want to help him get to a better place and give him a new lesson that he can take and that we can have the kids work on a little bit. So I have done the basic stuff with Trigger. He knows, um, you know, the bridge conditioning, he knows the target training, and that's all that we've really got so far. He knows about keeping his head to himself, but if it goes too long, he comes right back and wants to demand that attention. So he, and he does it in a, in a, it, it's, I wouldn't even say it's nipping as much as it is more biting. You know, nipping is little lighter to me when he kind of thinks well I'm a little bit assertive about this and I'm going to be a little bitey it's not aggressive but it's his way of trying to get the attention so we're going to go in and we're going to work with him and we're going to work through it a little bit I'm going into his stall with him I figured this is a good place to start it with and he will in his stall it's a little different for um people to be in there a lot of times I see this behavior when he's in the arena with the kids or even in the cross ties being groomed he'll be a little bit bitey and nippy so I thought this would be the place that I can help set him up for success I'm going to start the exercise here but part of my post class exercises will be taking it to other places all right so I'm going to go in with his stall and hey trigger 
Okay, so right away, we're in here together. I He doesn't remember exactly what to do because this is new for him. So he's I'm covered the side bucket, just like in the beginning lesson. And he could see that. He turned good. I clicked, and I'm feeding him over where I want his head to be because he kind of was forgetting the very first lesson, and that's normal. That doesn't surprise me. So I'm going to click again for that. It had to cover my bucket because I felt like he was going to go into eating at the bucket. So I'm just going to look for him first to get where I cannot have be covering my bucket. And he just keeps his head to himself. So I'm kind of reminding him of lesson one. And that's excellent. So I do a few approximations of those. And that is really good. So I'm trying to remind him where we were. Get him in a good place. Get him, get him doing nicely. Okay, so he kind of remembers that, and I could see that. He's trying a little extra hard. His relaxation is not as strong as I would like it to be, so I'm just going to take a mental note of that. I will look for relaxation as I get it through this session, but I can also come in and work that relaxation a little bit more again to give him a reminder. But not today. Right now we're going to work. I mean, it's always a part of everything, but right now, good boy. Now what I've done is so it's been happening pretty quickly as he turns his head away. I would say two, one thousand, three. He has four seconds where he will keep his head away before he comes back and wants to have something happen. So what I'm going to try to do is build up a little bit of duration with this. And I'm going to tell you what is great for this good boy. I'm feeding him again. What is great about this is I am talking to you and thinking about what I'm doing. So my attention is split a little bit, which means I'm actually setting that part up easily because I'm thinking about what I'm saying, but I'm thinking about him. So as he starts to get used to this, me talking to you, which means my attention goes to you and then my attention goes back to him and away from you. So that's when I ramble a little bit. But that that is good because I'm approximating what it's gonna be like a little bit. Okay, so I'm not gonna give, one of the things I'm trying not to do, I'm still clicking and feeding as I'm talking to you and I haven't tried to go above the four second mark yet. I just kind of keep reinforcing him for up to that point for now, up to that point. So what I'm doing as I get to reinforce this, I'm making a stronger reinforcement history with the correct behavior. So that hopefully as we go a little bit longer, instead of him coming back and wanting to be at me, I can go ahead and reinforce him uh, for, for staying over there. And as he makes the choice to do this new improved behavior. Okay, so now what we're gonna do is he has a mouthful now so what i'm going to do is i'm going to count to five so 1001 1002 1003 1004 1005 good i clicked and now i'm going to reinforce now what i did i started off where i helped him out a little bit because he had a full mouthful a bit but you could see as the food went away he started to kind of look, his eye got a little bit bigger and his head didn't come all the way towards me, but his head started waffling back and forth a little bit. Like he kind of was doing a little bitty head shake. No, because he was kind of like, I want, I want to keep my head away, but I want, I want to come back to you. It's almost like he's conflicted. What do I do? So we're going to repeat. We're going to stay there until I feel like that part is solid. If I go and jump up to six seconds before he has clarity and knows that he's doing the right thing, He's, it, it, it will, it's ne not necessarily going to mean progress. I'm just going to push it harder and I, I may get him into what we call an extinction burst where he starts thinking, well, this did work. Now it doesn't work. So now I'm going to, I'm going to try the other, I'm going to try harder. You know, we don't want that energy to get bigger. So I'm going to do five seconds again until I feel like he's solid at keeping his head to himself and he, he has a little bit of relaxation because of clarity with it. So that is where clarity does bring relaxation because when they know what to do, so like I'll just be over here. He was thinking, 
I don't know what to do. So I'm going to try a couple things. Or, you know, I'm, I, should I get you? Should I stay? Should I come over? Should I stay? Should I come? But he, he stayed in the right place. But I want to see that get solid. So we're going to do it again. This time, I'm not going to give him a big mouthful right before. I'm going to let him... I'm going to give him a small mouthful so he will be done chewing quicker, but we're going to do this again. Okay, ready? All right, 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005. And I click and reinforce, so that was good. In the middle of it, he started to come back a little bit. I put my hand on my bucket because I thought he might go for the bucket he's he's not remember he's not very tall and so that also may have helped him to know what to do with it so that to me was a little setback I want to be able to keep my hands loose and he knows what to do but I the putting my hand on top of the bucket and covering the food he knew he couldn't get it so it kind of minimized his options so he went back to keeping his head to himself so we're going to do that again I'm going to walk around for a little bit. So he just did his stall. So we're just going to walk a little bit, turn his head away. That's good. And the walk and ho. Good boy. So I'm doing just a couple things to mix it up. So we kind of change it up. Even starting this in a new area of the stall can be what I have in the past referred to as context shift. Just shifting it a little bit, doing something else in between, it can make it kind of a new behavior. So I want to start fresh and see if he can do it in this other corner of the stall or out in his run. So we'll start with this other corner of the stall and we're going to begin again. All right. All right. Small handful and 1,001, 1,002. 1,003, 1,004, 1,005. Excellent. That one was really, really good. So I'm giving him a few big handfuls for that. So that was excellent. So what we're doing is building that duration where he keeps his head to himself. So I'm going to kind of do a couple more of those. Now, you know, I'm not going to count out loud the next few times because what I don't want him to do is to have that me counting be a part of that behavior. So I want it where he just stands there without anything going on. So I'm going to count to myself on the next one. Okay, ready? Here I go. Good. Excellent. And that was really good. I was going to, as a joke, say, ow, like he bit me, but he didn't. He was, he's getting it worked out really pretty good. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to up the ante a little bit. So I'm getting his halter right now because he's kind of getting this worked out in here. I can continue to work in here, but this isn't quite the same as as some of his other places where he can be. So what I'm going to do, he can also nip at people when he's leading. So while I will continue to work on this exercise a bit more, for the sake of kind of stepping it up a little bit and trying something different, I know that he does nip at people while he's being led. And he also balks and won't move forward when he's being led. So I'll have one or the other go on. So what I have with me is I have my target in my belt. So if I need the target, I can pull it out, just a handheld target. I can pull it out and use it to help him, to encourage him to be in the right place. But he can, and he can even go, not only can he balk, he can also kind of give little rear sometimes. But I think we're in a better place about that. But we don't really know. So I'm going to put I'm putting his halter on him. And that is great. Good boy. And so I'm feeding him for that. Just because he knows it and he's good with his halter doesn't mean I can't say thank you. So I can click and reinforce him for that. So that was excellent. Okay. So now I'm going to do the same exercise with the halter and lead rope on. So I'm going to stand here. And we now keep in mind right now he thinks I'm about to do something because I have my halter and lead rope on. So what? So his tension may be a little bit higher. His desire to go make something happen may be a little bit higher. So I am going to anticipate that and I'm going to go back to four seconds. So I'm going to stop for a second. I'm going to count for four seconds. Here I go. Okay, and I clicked and reinforced him. I clicked and reinforced him at three seconds because I felt like 
I wanted to give it extra clarity. He was being good, and I thought, let's not get greedy trainer syndrome where we get it to him failing. Instead, I thought, no, that's the right idea. So now I'm going to do it and see if we can go up to five seconds. So a little greedy trainer syndrome. Okay, here we go again. Excellent. And that was really, really good. Now I can see from his head carriage, his, remember we talked about um, the body language and being able to see the body language. And that is really important. And that is a part that we, in that situation, well, in all training, but particularly that situation, I'm looking at those things and trying to to, I could see his head carriage was a little bit higher. His lips are a little bit tighter because he's thinking we are about to do something, but he still make good choices to keep his head to himself. And I would like it to be more relaxed than that. But for now, he literally kept his head on to, to himself and he didn't do the wavering back and forth. So that was really good. He's still not 100% sure of what we're doing. So I think that's where the little tension comes in. So that was terrific. So now we're gonna do, I'm gonna use a target and ask him to step out of the stall just to remind him that we're doing this lesson. So if I just slip into his old habits without a reminder that we're doing this new, new thing, be extra cognizant, I'm really gonna set him up for giving me kind of the, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be setting him up for success. And I don't want him to rehearse incorrect behavior, good boy. I don't want him to rehearse incorrect behavior. So what I want to do is I want to set him up for success. The more they get to practice a behavior, good or bad, the stronger it becomes part of their repertoire. So what I want to do is help to, as much as I can, create the good response and the good, the desired behavior that we're looking for. So I want to help him out to have him think thinking, oh, this is something different. So he gives me the, he's more cooperative and thoughtful about what he's doing. Now down the road, we'll advance to where I just pull him out at any old time and expect him to do it. But for now, I want to help set him up for success, help him to make better decisions. So, okay, so that's perfect. We're going to step out. I'm going to use a target. I'm asking him to step over the threshold. That's perfect. He walked out with me for two steps. I'm going to click and reinforce him. Now, we're just going to go up and down the barn aisle here a bit. So, we'll, we're not really going anywhere. But you know what? I'm not going to go like we're going towards the turnout first. Because if I go there first and don't go to the turnout. Now, it's later in the day. He's already been turned out. So, it's a little bit out of context for him but if I go there and then I turn around and don't take him to the turnout I may be setting him up for being you know thinking well that's not right we go, normally go to the turnout so I'm going the other direction first away from the way we go to the turnout again reminding him we're doing this new lesson so now I'm going to take the first couple steps again with the target good and I click and I reinforce him for that that's perfect now I'm putting the target back in my belt again. And so I just put it in the back of my waistband with my, my side bucket belt. Okay. And we're going to walk on. Now, before we walk on, one of the things I'm going to be looking for, I'm going to be watching his eyes because his eyes are going to tell me most likely what he's intending. So if you watch and you see those eyes kind of looking like what's ahead of him and he's looking forward, if I see him start to look at me, you know, now I know his attention is more on me. Does that mean he's going to nip at me or is he just trying to please me? I don't really know. But I think his eyes are going to tell me a lot about his direction and intention. What I would like him to do, ideally when we're leading, is not necessarily, I like him to have a soft focus on me, but basically I wanted to pay attention to what's around him. So if I just see him walking and kind of taking in the world, I think that's a good thing. So there we go. Okay, little man, are you ready? Let's go, Trigger. Okay, so we're walking on. And I'm clicking right now. And I'm feeding. And I'm feeding on the fly. And we're still going to keep walking. So what he did there, I felt, I felt like he kind of was looking around. But he just walked on like normal. And he kept up with me. And so one of the things that he does when he wants to get nippy, 
he drags behind you a bit. So that was really good. He was up with me and that was great. We're still walking. I'm going to click and reinforce him again. That was nice. And this time I'm going to stop and let him chew a couple mouthfuls there. Okay, perfect. And you know what? I'm just going to lead him back to a stall and I think we're going to leave leave it there. This is really good. It's it's a baby steps and little things. You don't want to push it too much. So that was great. So we're going to turn around. Okay, can we come around? That was good. And I'm going to reinforce him for that. Okay, so now we're making a big giant circle. So somewhere in the circle, I'm being really aware where my body is because if I get myself too far ahead of him, that is when he tends to bite be nippy he may not even think about it he just may be you're up there i'm back here what do i do i bite at your rear end you know so i want to be sure that we're making a big circle where we can kind of maintain the side by side leading for him where i'm more by his head versus him dropping behind me okay so we got around the circle that's great okay now we're just going to lead back to his stall and as we're leading back and he is up and interested i'm going to click and reinforce him and that is really good. And we're going to go on our way. And I'm going to click and reinforce him. And that was good. Okay, now we're at the stall. And he kind of balked here for a moment. So I can tell he doesn't necessarily maybe want the session to be done. But that's not necessarily something. I can't do a session all day long, all night long. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the target and ask him to step over the threshold back into his stall. So, and he likes his stall. So it's not like he doesn't like his stall. I think it's just he's thinking, well, we, I want to do more. But can, hey, Trigger, can you target? Excellent. So now he walked in with me and that was great. And I'm going to give him a big jackpot in his, in his trough. So I want him to realize when I got home, I got this big giant jackpot. I'm taking off his halter and lead rope and I'm backing out of there and closing up the door. So that was excellent. It was a lot of steps I did to help set him up for success. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more in our homework and where do we go from here. So you go ahead and wrap things up and get your horse to a good place. Maybe you do want to do a little bit more. Get your horse to a good place. Find a way to get him his jackpot or magnitude reinforcement and put your stuff away and meet you back here in a few minutes. Okay, so in a few minutes, we're going to talk about the homework and where do we go from here because it's all going to be a little different for everybody in different places. But one of the things you think about, I'm feeding a little teeny tiny pony and I'm feeding a little teeny tiny pony lots of food, relatively speaking. So what do I feed our horses? A lot of times what I use is Cavalier feed. Cavalier feed is a great feed. It's low in starch. It's good. They have mixes for the metabolic horse and ponies and things along those lines. So let's learn more about the Cavalier feed, which is something I'm comfortable feeding a lot of. So let's listen a little bit, learn a little bit more about Cavalier. Cavalier is a horse feed supplement and care product company that was founded in Belgium 30 years ago, and they have been producing feed for the U.S. market since 2012. Its nutrition is based in the way horses are meant to eat. Cavalier's philosophy is based around mimicking the horse's natural diet and how they would eat in the wild, while recognizing that the demands we put on them today are different than wild horses of long ago. One of the things I love about Cavalier is that their products are natural, backed by research and science, and are proven to be effective. That's why Cavalier was a feat of choice for over 100 riders in the most recent World Equestrian Games, for riders in every discipline and from countries around the world. Not only do they make feet, but they also have a complete line of supplements and care products. If you've struggled with any kind of nutritional issue with your horse, you know that all products don't really work as advertised. So that's why Cavalier is unique. Their products don't make it to the market until they have been proven effective in making noticeable differences in the issue a horse is facing. A lot of times we have behavioral issues with horses, but a lot of these issues actually have a nutritional root. With the positive reinforcement or clicker training, we strive to help the horses to be truly happy. 
to me, part of that that philosophy, well, really a big part of that philosophy includes making sure I'm doing everything I can to ensure their emotional as well as physical well-being. There's no denying that a good diet is a huge factor in that equation. The best part of Cavalar's team is it is that they're so easy to work with. You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page, and a real live person will call you back to personally talk you through your horse's nutrition. Learn more about the products at www.cavalor.us or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalor North America. You'll be glad you did. Homework is really important. Like I said, there's a lot of places we can go. So let's review a little bit of some of the things I did in that session that there are things I do to help set them up for success. You know, utilizing the target in there, taking smaller approximations and, and reminding him of his exercise, the trying to keep him in a better place when I'm walking. Well, eventually though, I want to fade all those things that I did to help set him up for success. I don't want to necessarily have to do all these little things every time I do them. I just want to be able to go out and walk him and him be fine. And eventually I want a little child to be able to go out and walk him and him be fine. So I want, but I needed to start by using these things that help set him up for success. But as we progress, the goal is that I don't necessarily need to have to kind of ask him so much or set him up for success quite. I mean, I'm always setting him up for success. That's always a goal. But the stronger the behavior gets, the less cautious I need to be. As he gets, I won't necessarily have to go, okay, we're only doing four, maybe five seconds. Or if I put the halter on, we have to go back to three seconds. I'll be able to get up to 10, 15, you know, to minutes. And, you know, I can stand for 20 minutes and talk next to Mint. And he just waits patiently as I talk. So that's what we want to build up to that. So just because we use those things in the beginning, don't think they're not things that we want to fade away. And it is, but we want to do it in a way that we feel like they're ready for this next place. So as he was going pretty good in his stall, I will go back and work on that stall behavior more and more and more and build the duration there. But I thought to kind of step it up a little bit and give try a little bit more challenging situation, I would try something else as well. So that's where we kind of mixed in the other thing, the, the the leading with him and the standing at the door with the halter and lead rope, and then needing to use the target a little bit to help him. If he kept dropping back behind me, I would probably break this down to smaller sessions and go ahead and get him leading in the proper place for me a little bit more. So I feel like he's up with me and he has a better reinforcement history for leading with me in the correct place and then work on the duration of keeping your head away because it really, all of it really is. This is all an extension of lesson number one, where we teach them that keeping your head to yourself is more reinforcing than biting or nipping or mouthing. In lesson number one, we're just teaching it's more than trying to get the food. But really, a lot of times, that's what this behavior really is. So, but it just is a little more directed at the nipping. So, what we're doing is adding in different places, different scenarios, different you know, you know, the cross ties. I think the cross ties is another one that happens quite a bit for people because that's where they've kind of learned it or that we'll have it in the, you know, in the arena where there's more loose. So eventually moving to each of those areas is where you want to go. But first you want to be sure that the, the first area you have is really pretty good. And then the next area is really pretty good. And then as you go to the more challenging areas, I mean, the cross ties are kind of simple because the cross ties, you can step right out of the way. So you can be just far enough outside of their space where you can look for them to make a choice to keep them heads to themselves. If they don't, you are still kind of in a safe place where they really can't get to you. So it's a kind of a nice place to work on. It is a form of protected contact. And the caveat that we should always have for these things is we're not going to work this on the cross ties if they're not happy in the cross ties. So if they're not happy in the cross ties and they don't like the cross ties, that's another issue. And then I would go back to lesson 21, which is the cross tie lesson. So 
So I think that making sure that this isn't a place that for that their biting is communicating something else. So if it only happens in the cross tie, let's say, or it only happens a specific arena, or it only happens, I would kind of I would look first as always that there's not something causing pain or or unsettledness with each of those environments. So go back to those lessons and work on those particular things. But with a horse like Trigger, he just pulls it out anytime, anywhere. And I'm I'm sure it is because of being with kids so much that he's had, you know, he has been reinforced for, you know, being, being a little more, you know, playful or he gets out of work because he gets to go do something else with them. And and so I'm sure it's a little different, but if it is just the cross tie, I would first really consider, I need to make sure the cross ties are a good thing first. I would do the classic conditioning or the counter conditioning to get that worked out. So consider each of those independently. If it's just specifically one thing, it may be a root might be a little bit different. But if it's all over, just kind of bitey, bouncy, playing, nipping, then we need to kind of address that in each of those areas as you go. So it doesn't mean it has to be perfectly solid at one place, but but I would get it where they get the idea to keeping their mouths themselves with some duration before you move on to the next places. So I hope that that helps you to think about, as I said earlier, to think about the biting and nipping in a different way and realize it's just that that behavior is more reinforcing than another behavior of keeping your them head there heads to themselves. So what we're just doing is rebalancing those scales and giving them a new, better plan. Anyway, so I hope that helps you out. I hope that gives you something to think about and it gives you some tools for helping to address that going on. And if you worked on that lesson number one and you still have a horse that gets mouthy sometimes, this is exactly the exercise for you. It means that behavior is not so strong that it is comes out everywhere. It just means you need to continue to work on this exercise and get it stronger. Anyway, I just want to remind you guys that you can listen to this on most of your favorite podcast players. You can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app, which is on iOS or Android, and just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and it's easy to use. And and having it just as an app is very easy. It's easy to find and get to. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. There are lots of different disciplines, lots of different topics. It's it's a, a loaded with great, informative, and fun shows to listen to. So I encourage you to go there. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to www.on-target-training.com or actually shawnacarish.com. And if you want to learn more about our schedule and what we're doing, I'm going to encourage you to go to Terra Nova Training Center.com. And that's T-E-R-R-A-N-O-V-A training center. <laughs> so it's terranovatrainingcenter.com. It has our schedule, what we're up to. And if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll we'll, we'll keep you abreast of what's happening in the world of positive reinforcement out here in New Mexico. Anyway, so until next time, enjoy getting your horse on target. <laughs>